is going on, Duke fans? Adam Comer here, bringing you another episode of the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I am recording early on a Friday morning, because I really wanted to get this in before Duke played their next game against NC State at home, because it's been a crazy week. Today is the day after Valentine's Day. If you did something to celebrate it, hope you had a lovely day or evening or whatever you did. If you just spent it and enjoyed it watching and loving J.J. Redick uh, jump shots, that's great too. Uh, so whatever you did there, awesome. All right, so before, before I start with the main topic, which is basically, is Duke trolling us? I mean, that's starting to come to mind a little bit. It's almost like, hey, you know what? We're going to pretend we're not good at this. And then when we, then when we need to... And then another thing that you think we're bad at, just wait till that one game, and we're going to break it out then. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, it would be very nice if they just did it all the time, but hey, you know what? Maybe maybe this is their idea of a joke. Maybe they are just trolling us. Maybe it, they are the Ivan Drago Rocky Four, where they're just kind of... Uh, Bouncing around, doing their thing, waiting for uh, their coach, their trainer to say, all right, get them now. And then all of a sudden they attack. So they're kind of just letting the opponent believe they have a chance. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so we'll get into that. Um, Self-promo makes me cringe, but I'm willing to put it aside for, uh, for now and just say, look. If you want the podcast to continue next year on a consistent basis, spread the word, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff that I'm very uncomfortable. I will never kind of pimp myself out in any way. And I've enjoyed doing this for, geez, it's been like six, seven years. Um, at this point, um, I just need to know that kind of the juice is worth the squeeze at this point. And I will release something which gives more context to it. I'm not going to go into that now. Uh, that'll be sometime after uh, the first UNC game. Uh, so I will definitely uh, put that on my Twitter account, CC underscore Duke Games. So it lets you know what's going on there. But subscribe on iTunes or Podbean, however you listen to this. And just if you enjoy, let others know. And uh, put out some good vibes. So I, I'm not asking you. It's just if you want to, that is the way. If you want the podcast to keep going, that is the way to do it. All right. So, Duke, two games. Two crazy, crazy games. Uh, Virginia. Virginia, I, I mean, the rematch was just, I mean, you cut, you'd feel like it in the air almost. Just how... I mean, these are two of the best teams in the country, and it's so different in the their opposites in the way they play, polar opposites in the way they're built and everything. It's just it it's worked so well um, this season in terms of making it making the matchup so intriguing. And Duke's pulled it out two completely different ways. I mean, the first matchup they didn't have tie, they didn't have who I said does uh, they didn't have Trey Jones, and. They pulled off one of the outlier games. They stink at mid-range. Pretty much every team stinks at mid-range. It's the most inefficient shot in basketball. It's almost, it almost doesn't even exist anymore. It's still, I mean, it's it's there. So it's still taken by teams when it's wide open. But, I mean, in terms of, you look at the analytics, the analytics dream is all threes or all next to the rep. And mid-range, it's just that doesn't uh, talk about juice, is wor juice being worth the squeeze. It's not. That's what uh, the stats have basically declared. So saying that, R.J. Barrett was like 9 of 10 that game. Zion was 5 of 6. R.J. Barrett's not even, he's never even close to that. Zion barely ever even shoots mid-range. So, I mean, that was just crazy in terms of them just being able to beat Virginia off the dribble and being able to beat their pack line and being able to kind of be one step ahead of the help where nobody's one step ahead of the help. I mean, it's just crazy talent. And they couldn't shoot any threes. I mean, that's not rare. 
You can't shoot threes versus most teams, but they they really dominated with the mid range. And then this second matchup, UVA played as well as you could. If I mean, if I'm Tony Bennett, it's almost like the shrug emoji, where you really did a great job of preventing Duke from getting into the paint and forcing him to take tough shots. I mean, that's what you you look at Duke. It's not some narrative where like. The media says they can't shoot or something. You look at the stats, even now, after they just shot, I believe it was 13 of 21 from deep. That's after missing their last three. They started at 13 of 18. They're still, I believe, ranked like 300th in the country in three-point percentage um, out of 355 teams. They're not a good shooting team. They're not good in any stat outside of right next to the rim when you're talking about shooting. That's how it is. That's not a narrative. That's not bias. That's not anything. They are not a good free throw shooting team. They are not a good jump shooting team. With Duke, it's all about getting as many opportunities as possible, especially when you can get them at a high efficiency level in terms of could be offensive rebounds, could be free throws, just get into that line just for... Basically, just as many opportunities as you can, even even though they don't shoot them that well. Uh, and it's it's about getting out in transition. I mean, that's one thing which, obviously, live ball turnovers can help you. And with Duke's really aggressive defense, which obviously we saw versus Louisville, that's how they do that there. Or Trey being able to just push pace no matter what, which has been a bit of a struggle for him lately. But I still think he really helps out in terms of not absolutely 100% requiring Duke to have to get those turnovers all the times. He can still uh, speed up opponents just with his fantastic uh, anticipation, his accuracy with those long outlet passes, and also just using his crazy athletic teammates who are uh, already down the court before their opponents. So, um, yeah, I mean, with Virginia, I think the big difference was uh, their ability. I mean, obviously the threes, but uh, also just they were able to get more second chances, which is a tough thing to do against the pack line. They were able to get more second chances in the second half. That 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 was the big difference. I mean, Virginia played an amazing game. It's almost like an advertisement for both sides as to why one and duns are great and why they shouldn't be there. I mean, besides the actual, like, real-life um, arguments for and against, I'm just referring to basketball. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's almost like how – why would you want one and duns just to have these guys who are so damn talented that they can get away with um, not always kind of playing – the quote-unquote right way. I, I mean, you can see them just drifting off of, uh, their opponents sometimes. I mean, Zion's all over the place, and then um, n- nowhere near who he's supposed to be guarding. And then he'll close out all of a sudden and be back. And just, I assume many have seen the um, the replay of him jumping to close out on DeAndre Hunter, where, I mean, it's... It's like those high jumps in the Olympics. I mean, it's whatever. Uh, long jump, sorry. Um, it's it's unreal. I mean, his athleticism is not human. His agility is not human. It's wild. Zion is Zion, something else. And it's and the thing is, we keep saying we keep saying this every year with different players. I mean, it's it's just wild how lucky we are to watch these guys. To see a guy like Jason Tatum. Then the next season, a guy like Marvin Bagley, who's a, basically a human pogo stick, and now you get Zion. And that doesn't even mention the other guys who are on the, those teams. I mean, I'm not mentioning guys who are potential NBA All-Stars. Some of the most talented players in the world playing together. It's, it's wild. But, you, but, like, you have a team like Virginia who just... They play so well together, and they're they have more talent than they've ever had. So it's really great to see Tony Bennett 
be able to expand um, his willingness to, uh, I mean, they're running a continuity ball screen offense more often. They're still running the block and mover, but he's willing to do, to use different aspects in what he does. And you saw that occasionally, but until the first Duke matchup this season, I think that's when it really came to fruition. And hey, that's what it that's what a really talented team like Duke can do. They can force you to really step up your game. And Virginia, they hadn't played, I think they had a week off before uh, the round two. So Tony Bennett was really prepared. And he did a great job. Offense, defense. I mean, Duke is just re- I mean, there's nothing you can do to prepare for guys just knocking down three pointers way outside the line, well-guarded, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, it's it's really rare that I feel bad for the, for the uh, opponent's coach. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Duke is just this good. I mean, R.J. Barrett, he's not somebody you, you expect to come out and start out five for five from deep. So when you look at Duke's shooting, they're terrible. And yet, you look at the two, uh, until Louisville, um, the two biggest road wins this season, you have R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. They've been absurd from deep. Cam was 5 for 8 in both of those games. R.J. was 4 of 7 versus FSU and 6 of 10 versus UVA. I mean, what are you going to do? You have to take away something. So... If Duke is going to just almost act like that weakness never existed, whenever, whenever it's just, it's crazy. I mean, FSU was the outlier game from deep. I mean, you have Notre Dame, but I'm talking about the highest level of opponents, and that's nothing against Mike Bray. Notre Dame will be back. It's just what it's a transition type of year. But um, with, with Florida State, I mean, crazy talented team. With uh, Virginia, crazy talented team. And that's when these guys all of a sudden step up their game and hide the not not even hide the weakness. They, it's it's like it was never there. They actually they shine where the weakness was thought to exist. So it it, it really is wild in in terms of that. So UVA, it's just applaud and move on. And I thought that's where we were going to be at. With Louisville, I, I thought there could be a chance. I mean, if you look at what happened uh, last uh, when Duke beat Virginia the first time, they went to Pittsburgh, and there was a lot of sluggishness, which is to be expected. I mean, at, at that point, they had, they had just come off three really um, emotional games. I... The same way I say that uh, Duke's early season blowouts, I think some of those were outliers where you can't really take much. I would almost say the same thing about Syracuse. There was just too much randomness to that game, missing players, short rest, overtime, guys playing more minutes than they'd ever had who you wouldn't expect, and just Arge's legs were dead. I think he was shooting 50% early in the second half. He ended up shooting like 2%. So, I mean, that's a stat-skewing game the other way around. So, I, I wouldn't even count that. But the bottom line is Pittsburgh, they were sluggish in that game. And I thought it was an interesting that Jordan Goldwire, who gets some garbage time minutes, he was used in the first half of that game to really spark the team and, prov- and provide great energy. So, you look what happens... When the, after the second time Duke beats Virginia in a, in a big matchup, big emotional matchup, they play Louisville, who is m- much better than Pittsburgh right now. Cable hasn't quite got his uh, gotten the type of guys he wants there yet. He will, but Louisville's much better right now. And Goldwire again sparks Duke. What it's still wild to think about how. Also, I didn't realize that. Is there no official way or number or something to use to say like when a comeback starts 
or what's the biggest deficit? Because I've seen like 700 different numbers in order to tell. I mean, when Louisville made the shot to make it 23, uh, 23 point deficit, uh, 59-36, I thought that was it. I think we had 9.55 left. Then I saw, I saw it was like 9.58. So you know what? Fine. A couple seconds, whatever. Maybe it's when the ball was released at that point in time. Then I saw it was like 9.13. It's like 9.05. Then Ken Palm has a different number. I don't know. I mean, maybe like some of them are biggest uh, deficit. Some are when the comeback starts. I don't know. It's For some reason, I guess there is no official way to do this stat, which is kind of mind-boggling. never actually thought about it. Like, I mean, I remember, like, football. Um, growing up in Maryland, uh, I remember, like, Frank Reich, he led, like, the huge comeback for the University of Maryland against uh, Miami. Then actually did the same with uh, for the Buffalo Bills against, um, at that time, the Houston Oilers. It's like, when does that comeback actually start? Is it when the other team gets their lead the biggest? Or is it like the play right before you score the first touchdown to start bringing the team back? These, these are the things that keep me up at night, folks. These are the things that keep me up at night. But anyway, um, yeah, so do, either way, I'll say Jordan Noir, stud, man, star player, Louisville. He's really, I hadn't seen Louisville much before. Uh... Duke played him, but I did. I had watched him. I do know of him. That kid is a star, and he was a star versus Duke. He really was. I mean, Zion, his tendency to kind of shade off the guy who's guarding to help out and really create havoc in the passing lanes and with the help side blocks and do all of his crazy Zion stuff, he paid for it a lot with, uh, when, when guarding Jordan Noir. You can't, you, there's certain guys you can get away with that with, certain guys you can't. And he got burned a lot with Jordan Noir. So, it, I mean, Louisville's a talented team. And I think Chris Mack still, he's going to get his guys. It's not totally his, all the type who will play in the system. I think he's going to run a lot of pack line the same way Virginia does. He did it at Xavier, so I would expect him to continue with that tradition at least somewhat. So yeah, Duke Duke looked sluggish, and then looked more sluggish, and then it just got ugly. It was basically what UVA was doing in terms of Duke was really struggling to get into the lane, to get into the paint. I mean, it was just any possible way to get Zion the ball, get him the ball, because I mean, when you see when you look at the paint stats, you'll see Duke got some. It's just like whenever they got to Zion, nobody's going to stop that dude. So, I mean, that's all coming from Zion. And, I mean, he's just, he's a star. Yeah. And then he got in foul trouble. And then what are you going to do? Because if you're not hitting 80% of your shots or whatever it was against UVA, then, and you're not getting offensive rebounds, you're not getting to the line, you're not getting out on the break, you are getting your asses handed to you in every way. You're getting outplayed in every facet of the game. What are you going to do? So, I mean, there was one point when Trey got called for a foul. Some like, I don't know, 12, 13 minutes left. And just showed him looking like real frustrated. Then showed the bench just with these kind of zombie stares on their faces. Then showed Coach K with his arms crossed with like a, a look of death. And I actually like recorded that and tweeted it. I'm like, yep, this is this is game summary right here. And it happens. I mean, it's tough to imagine it not happening with not happening with teams once or twice a year, especially when you're dealing with a team so reliant on young kids. I mean, four freshmen, everything is built around them. Yeah, you gotta remember that. So everything is still new. Which is why it's just crazy how we keep seeing these brand new ways of just blowing your mind pop up. Because this isn't, it's not like the 2015 team. I'm sure with the comeback, many thought of 2015, whether it was against uh, Virginia, whether it was against, uh, I think they did North Carolina, or obviously the Wisconsin final. That team 
And this sounds crazy to say. I'm not. That team was unbelievably talented, but this team it is this team is like a tidal wave when they bring it on. So basically, kind of, I will not. It's not effort. It is urgency. That's how I refer to it as. And competing with urgency is a skill. Competing con- with consistently with urgency. That is something you have to learn. It uh, it doesn't just come na- naturally. You can think you're trying all you want, but man, Coach K, I'm sure he's taught them quite a bit about what it means. I mean, to just you got these teams going against you, which I mean, I hate to use the cliche, but yeah, I mean, Duke is Duke is the Super Bowl for a lot of these teams, and that's nothing against any other team. And yeah, you could say the same thing about North Carolina and Virginia. I mean, these are all really talented teams. I'm not saying I mean Duke hasn't won the AC title since. I'm not trying to make them out to be a superpower, but everyone knows Duke. They get a lot of attention, and you want to put your best foot forward when you get a chance to shine again. I mean, people are watching. Everyone's watching when Duke plays. At least the college basketball fans and many who are just slobbering over Zion. Cough, cough, Knicks fans. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of attention on them. And Louisville was just on fire. I will say that they were struggling from deep early on. I think like seven out of the first 13 shots were from deep, and they only made one at the end. They also were missing from deep. So... The struggle, the struggle for Duke, the success for Louisville came when they were really getting to their spots, physicality, and just well-executed play. Uh, so Duke wasn't sticking to what appeared to be the game plan of forcing them to shoot uh, and hit from deep. The way they were playing, they were outplaying Duke in every facet. They, they, basically, St. John's was the only t- other team I saw really be physical with Duke. Treat them like a like a basketball team, not some gods that have walked into your gym. So I was impressed, man. I was just I was just hoping it wouldn't be the typical like Duke has no heart crap that you usually see on the old Twitter machine, which is it is what it is. But I, I mean that's not really representative, I would say, of uh, the rational folks, but. I, I was kind of ready to accept that as just being one of those days, but Duke didn't even need a game to kind of bounce back. All they needed was 9.55, and when you really look closer, it wasn't 9.55. I mean, the comeback really started about, uh, let me see, I haven't even looked at anything. I have a couple things written down. Um, yeah, With uh, I don't know, something like six minutes, they were down 19, say six, like 620 or something. And that's when it really started. Because at that moment, it was... Because Duke had switched into the 2-2-1 zone press. They had switched into the 2-3 uh, zone with the crazy extended wings. It was like last year on steroids almost. With guys all the way out. It was basically like the press never ended almost. And as much, uh, whatever deal people want to make of the 2-3, K-switching to the 2-3, the zone press was what was the true difference maker. I mean, guys were just flying everywhere. And it really goes back to some of my questions over the years about why why don't teams use the press more consistently? Do guys just get tired out too easily? I don't know. I mean, it seemed like this, I mean, the preseason, I was saying like, Man, create havoc with these guys. These are some of the most versatile players Duke has ever had. You can use them in any possible way and create havoc. I mean, that's the thing. And they communicate well with each other. And in half court, I've said often that, yeah, they communicate better than many of the recent young Duke teams, but they're still not in the right place a lot of the times. They still drift off too many times. They're still not fully focused too many times, and that's not a knock on them. That's just they're young. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, that's why you see so many really talented dudes be able to just dominate right away on offense in college. But defense is a different story. You can't just 
rely on yourself. It's it's a symbiotic effort, and that and that's what makes it so amazing that Duke can get away with a lot of mistakes that would just destroy other teams. I mean, Zion is quite a band aid. Trey uh, creating havoc on the perimeter. I mean, it's 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 wild. So to look at it from the other side, though, Louisville's, I, I don't know what the, their deal is. I mean, they melted down, and it ain't the first time. I mean, since, I mean they obviously lost Patino last year. Then um, they played Seton Hall. They were up seven with 11.30 left. They lost. Last year, if anyone remembers Virginia, that that's nuts. I mean, besides uh, being up 40, they were up 46.33 with 11.14 left. That, I mean, that, yeah, you shouldn't blow that lead. But they were up four with .9, less than a second left, and they lost. That's that's pretty tough. That is pretty tough to lose. I think it was like Ty Jerome. He was fouled on a three, hit like two of three, and it went out of bounds. The the third shot his miss. And then Louisville committed a, uh, a violation on the inbounds. And then UVA threw it in, and... Uh, DeAndre Hunter hit this crazy banked in, or maybe I'm not, I can't quite remember if it banked in three as time expired. It's just like, what in the world happened? This year, uh, they were up 51 43 on Marquette with 11 minutes left. They were up 67 63 with 44 seconds left on them. Lost. And in the previous game, just before Duke, they were up 10 on Syracuse with 9 30 left. Lost. This team is in their own heads on its own, almost like because I mean when Duke, when Duke started really coming at them and amping up the pressure, they want they want nothing to do with it. I I don't go mental stuff often, in terms of negative, but man they want nothing. They wanted nothing to do with that, and it almost just looked like Duke was taking the ball from them at times. I mean. That's why I say the zone, the actual half-court zone defense wasn't a big deal because Louisville couldn't even get into the zone. It, w- it was an adventure trying to just get it to a set. It's wild. It's almost like playing um, Choose Your Own Adventure and every and every choice is death. That's what it was like. That's what it must have been like playing Duke. I mean, it's, it's wild. So... I mean, it's crazy. So, including Alex O'Connell's turnover, nine forty-one left. Duke had run nine offensive nine offensive possessions in the half, which had lasted longer than ten seconds. Duke is not a good half-court team. They're just not. So, yeah, they can have a game like Virginia and somehow end up with like one point three five points per possession against Virginia, which is just the wildest stat ever. Um. And many of those, uh, many of the nine offense possessions lasted more than 15, 20 seconds. And then from that point on, 9.41 left when Zion came back in. Because Jordan Goldwire, awesome, awesome, awesome job. Man, Zion's, Zion's a difference. And I love Trey. Man, you, you cannot tell me that Zion is not the difference maker on this team. Duke goes... From a great team to an elite team with Zion. They are not an elite team without Zion Williamson. Maybe they they could have the potential to be, but right now they are with Zion Williamson. And when he came back with four fouls, I mean, for, like why isn't Louisville going right at him? That's that's another question. Like go at him. Do whatever it takes to get that dude out. I mean, it's great that he proved trustworthy for K, but, I mean, Louisville's got to recognize that. I mean, if you want to say also they should have let Jordan Goldwire alone on offense since he has trouble making anything, I don't even think that came into uh, effect because Duke was often, as soon as they got the ball, whether it was a turnover or rebound or anything, they were, they were shooting it and usually scoring less than five seconds later. I mean, everything changed. I mean, you talk about uh, Duke, ha- they have created turnovers off steals lately, but they've had some trouble in transition. They haven't been effective. 
And when you look at how Duke did against Louisville when creating the havoc, they converted most, if not all of them. I think uh, I think uh, the, the Louisville Turner was eight in the first thirty-one fifty-four, then nine in the last eight oh six, including eight straight steals by Duke. Eight straight. He started off with two straight by Goldwire, and the first he somehow he went in for a layup himself, and he somehow didn't even hit rim when he was all alone. Man, props to that guy, and I don't mean that as an insult. Man, he he just he goes hard and awesome. I mean, you talk about small sample size plus minus stats for an individual player; they are just by far the most overvalued stats or among the most overvalued stats imaginable in basketball. I still remember that like, that's what the whole Okafor theory, which I don't even ever want to think about, that, that was based on nobody cared about what, like, the actual, like, what was going on around those stats, like, that caused them, like, what was possible causation, how you just add up all these tiny little things. Like, it's, it was just wild. But uh, Goldwire played two minutes in the first half, and he was a minus three. Louisville outscored Duke by three when Goldwire was in there. Second half, played 10 minutes. He was a plus 22. So his uh, overall plus minus for the game was 25 in 12 minutes. Yeah, it's a difference maker. He also came, he also came in the same time as Zion, so that helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this with the steal by Goldwire, then the second steal by Goldwire... I think he'd be passed it to Trey for, for a lay in there. Then Trey stole one. Zion stole two. RJ stole one. Zion stole one. Trey. I think out of those seven, Duke got 13 points. I mean, that's what you want. You want a, almost like a two, po- a two points per possession value off of those turnovers. You want to convert them. You want to make them count. So, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the energy... I've said often the the most important thing about this Duke team, by far, nothing else is even close, is their energy. It doesn't mean effort. Like, energy comes, it's, it's whatever can create energy. And it doesn't mean they're not trying if that energy is not there. But it's got, something's got to create it. There has to be urgency there. You gotta learn how to always bring it, because everyone's always going to be coming for you. And especially when you look at them, the four freshmen—they're all going to be pros. They're all going to be pros. Not, I'm not talking Europe. So they're going to have to be prepared to go against the best every single day. And I think Trey—that's what he is learning, and that's what—that's what his uh, his big bro Tyus learned, because Tyus. You see the same thing at times with him where he'd he'd really just kind of vanish for large portions of the game. If you look at his stats, so many were built on just going crazy in these in the like last half of games, even like the last ten minutes of games. And you're wondering like where has this been all game? But because of the recency bias, people remember those last ten minutes and say, like, oh, he was always clutch, he was always stones. And Again, not a knock on Tyus. It's just you have to learn how to be consistently there every moment. And NBA is different because there's moments you, you bring it more than others. Long season, long games, roles, everything. But with ACC, I mean, you had like maybe like th- four... I mean, you had the... How many... Ma- there are three Maui games and... Yeah, the the Champions Class, Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky wasn't ready. Um, then you had Texas Tech, Indiana. Indiana wasn't ready. I mean, there's not that many games that are really going to be legit. So when you consider, especially like Wake, they could bring it for a half against Duke, but like they, after that, they were done. Same thing with Clemson. I mean, Duke is such a ridiculously talented team. That when they when they hit the gas, oh my god! I mean, it's when they get momentum. This is the type of team, this wing heavy team, with just crazy length, crazy athleticism, 
crazy versatility. This is what it's all about. And somehow, I guess, it's tough to say lucky. But I don't know. How, like, Duke has not shot well. I mean, with the loss to Syracuse, Cam Reddish was not there. When you play a zone, you need Cam. You need him. Bottom line. And, and that made a difference. People just want to think about Trey. Not having Cam made a difference. So, I mean, when you think that's one of the losses, and then it's just nuts when you when you remember when you think back to the 2015 team, the comebacks. Whether it was against Virginia, whether it was against North Carolina, whether it was against Wisconsin, when they were coming back, the other team. I mean, they were still in it. I mean, it's two great teams going head to head. Think about how Gonzaga looked. I know Gonzaga won. But still, when Duke turned it on, it looked like Gonzaga was paying themselves. Like, they, they missed everything. I think they were like missed all free throws. Like, they didn't know what to do. Somehow they pulled it out because R.J. Barrett missed like seven shots next to the rim that, I mean, it was, I mean if, you, if anyone... Um, knew after the game he was like texting teammates his apologies. I mean, stop it, dude! You great player. Take that shot. Take it all day. I love that Coach K really made sure he knew that he supported RJ and his teammates support him. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Like whoever wants to, I'm sure many are gonna call him selfish when something like that happens. No, man, that's your job. Do your job. It's not always going to go perfectly, but hey, learn, become better the next time, or just do your best no matter what. I mean, kid is grinding. He's grinding, and that is his role for Duke, to be the alpha. As good as Zion is, he is not the type of guy you can just give the ball to right now and say, go get a bucket. He can at times, and I think a lot of his greatness is related to his fantastic ability to pick spots. And that is very undervalued. I mean, Zion, his instincts, his efficiency, his anticipation. I mean, there's stuff that, like, it's tough to see just on a highlight video. But, man, they exist. I mean, it's like that Rodman type of rebounding anticipation, just knowing where it's going to be. It's wild. That That's something with, with Zion. you got to give him credit because against Virginia and against Louisville, he was having a rough time. And Virginia was just take, doing everything possible to take him away, not allowing anything in the paint. And he still, man, he was huge down the stretch. Numbers aren't going to be huge, but he, he could he you could have said he was the difference down the stretch in terms of preventing uh, Virginia from coming back. I'm not saying he's what got the lead because obviously RJ and Cam were obscene, absurd. But Zion Zion did his thing. I mean they hadn't gotten offensive rebounds, second chances. Zion got those. Then uh, and he got to the line. They hadn't been getting to the line. You go to Louisville. Zion. Wild. Four fouls, came back with like 9.42 left, and just went nuts. Went absolutely nuts. Looked like he was just taking the ball from guys and on Louisville. He almost like glides in. A guy who is built like him should not look or play like that. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And props to Kay for putting in that, uh, I guess, the two forms of zone. Got to remember, he act that wasn't his first. He was kind of just trying things out, because O'Connell was his first option. And O'Connell, unfortunately, couldn't really give Duke the lift that they needed against Louisville. They they were just, man, they look they look dead out there. And it's still wild to think. The, the, it's nuts, man. I mean, I think uh, what they they scored they scored like as one less point. In the final nine minutes or whatever, and they did the rest of the game. 
But when they turn it on, when they step on the gas, it's just, it's nuts. I love the gold wire. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I said, you know what? He is not going to be a guy who is probably going to get consistent time in the rotation, but he's going to make a huge difference on one, if not more games this year. And not just like random games, games that matter. And Pitt and Louisville, man. That cannot go overlooked at the end of the season. That is something that has to be remembered, man. These vital contributions right here. And it's ironic that both came after Virginia. Whether you want to call it a letdown game or whatever, however you want to call it. Hey, props to the kid. Props to Jordan Goldwire, man. Kay was talking about how uh, he just looked like he was desperate to get in, just kind of like on the edge of his seat on the bench, almost like trying to uh, get inside of Kay's head, being like, put me in, coach. And, hey, he gave him a shot. That's all you can do. And Jordan did the rest. And another thing that Kay said was how, as a leader in the military, you got to put on the face of belief. No matter what, even if you don't believe, his words, even if you don't believe, you got to put on the face where everyone else will believe. You cannot show any signs of not being 100% in. And, yeah, so obviously he didn't believe. But you know what? He gave off a sense to them. And, man, they, they follow his life. Like, I, I don't, I think a lot of the uh, cliche stuff can be overrated at times, but you can't ignore it totally. There is a big mental aspect to this game, to sports. Because, I mean, you say sports, like, separate it from life. Whenever anything is brought up, during sports, which aren't exactly sports, but maybe related. No, stick to sports. Sports are part of life. I mean, there's a lot going on that relates to other stuff. I'm not trying to transition to something else. I'm just saying, like, it is what it is. So Duke has had an outlier game for mid-range. They've had against Virginia. They have had an outlier game from deep against FSU. They have had a wild outlier game from deep against uh, Virginia. And they've come back from 23 down with 9.55 left or even less time, depending on how uh, some may uh, be marking it down. And I, I still think, like, the it was... So I wish I, wish I had it. It's like um, six-something left where they were down 19. I mean, I think that's when it really, really started. It was right at, like, because at that point, Zion, he uh, he glided in for a bucket and won, and then Goldwire stole it and passed Trey for uh, for for a lane and transition. That, like, that you, you knew it was on from there. Whether they would win or not, who knows. But you knew they, they were back in it. And, <laughs> I mean, it's... So it's almost like Louisville immediately just looked, it was a shook ones by Mob Deep. So, yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to be tough for Louisville from that point on. Um, let's see, what else, what else do I have real quick? Uh, I will say that, uh, hey, you want to be annoyed? How about, how about a comparison? I mean, Trey, Trey Jones, he, he's, he's been, he hasn't had his best games lately. And that's why, like, around, like, Texas Tech, I was talking about who he was playing against, his matchup, and how, like, last year, the same thing happened with uh, Matt, uh, Matt Mooney. Um, sorry if I'm not saying that right. The point guard for Texas Tech when he was at uh, South Dakota State. But you, you got to understand, like, who they're going against. And it wasn't to take shots at Trey. It's just... I wanted to see how it would be against higher-level competition. Because, I mean, if you if you look back, I mean, I remember Trey got worked pretty bad by Josh Perkins uh, against Gonzaga. And I'm sorry, the name's escaping me right now. The Auburn point guard was pretty good, too. I mean, the, and those are great point guards. 
It's not against Trey. And, hey, it was one of Trey's first... Both of those were, like, among Trey's first games. So, hey, he may, with more experience, he could have gotten better. But I think because Duke hadn't... I mean, they started off with such a soft ACC schedule. And then he had those... He had, like, a bunch of turnovers early on against Syracuse. I mean, if he hadn't come back, he would have gone down as, like, a freaking legend. <laughs> like... People thinking he was going to create a billion turnovers. It hasn't happened like that since he's come back. You, you got to make sure not to just go crazy over guys sometimes. It's it's a long season. Not 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 long, as long as the NBA in terms of games, but like we hadn't really seen enough of Trey. And I will always say that I don't think Kay's offense is quite built for a point guard, at least in this system, to fulfill everything, to fulfill what it takes to learn how to be a great point guard at the next level. Just because of Kay's system, I think it's more, um, the strength is in the wings, and that's what it's built towards. I mean, it is what it is. If you go to Duke, you know what you're getting into, and he had a brother who went to Duke, so he knew. I mean, bottom line. And I think he's doing a great job in what he's asked to do. I think there will continue to be ups and downs for him, just like everyone on Duke. I mean, Jack White, he's he's having some struggles shooting. Hopefully he can get it back together because I mean, Duke's getting nothing from the bench in terms of scoring, in terms of scoring. Because, uh, I mean, Javin, he, he's given, he's given, uh, he's given effort and, and minutes when he can, and... Jack, Jack's still reliable, even if he's not scoring. I mean, it helped to have him be able to kind of hit a three once in a while, but he's still productive in his role. And, hey, Goldwire, man. If only we could get Buckmeyer some minutes. I mean, that guy, what a waste. I mean, he, I just, I expected more out of him, and I'm just disappointed. But uh, I think back to what I actually initially started to say that went way off track. Um, you want to be pissed at me. I have a comparison for Trey, and this isn't set in stone. Um, stone, ironic. Um, it's just something where I was thinking about uh, other players and kind of the style. And it's it's still kind of funny how often that white player gets compared to white player, European white player gets compared to European white player, black player gets compared to black player. It's like illegal to compare, uh, like, a different... It's just wild. Um, so, a comparison for Trey Jones. If I said Aaron Kraft, you probably just, like, yelled at uh, whatever you're listening to, um, whatever instrument you're using to listen to, is because Aaron Kraft, you can't compare Trey to Aaron Kraft. Trey was... A high recruit, he, he's, he's a star, he's so athletic. Aaron Kraft is just a, a gym rat, a, co a coach's best friend, a slot receiver. You can't compare those. Man, give Aaron Kraft more credit. That's a compliment to Trey Jones. I'm not talking next level stuff. I'm not talking NBA potential. I'm talking about right now in terms of strengths. In terms of the weaknesses, think about it. Aaron Kraft was one of the best defenders in college while he played as a point guard. On ball, he was glued to guys. He could make key shots when necessary. He wasn't a great shooter. Teammates loved him, leader of that team at Ohio State. Aaron Kraft, was, he was awesome, and he was locked down, dudes. So before you think that's an insult to Trey, take a second. Hey, you know what? Go to the old YouTube and uh, watch some Aaron Craft highlights. Dude was awesome. So I, th I think that's basically, uh, that, that covers everything, at least I believe. Uh, last thing, for anyone, I've seen this in places, um, wishing Zion is going to break a backboard on a dunk. It ain't going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. Um, from, at least from what I know, uh, college basketball, uh, they use the same, uh, I think it's pronounced like stanchion, as the NBA, it connects the metal base directly to the rim instead of just kind of holding it. 
there. Um, so uh, it absorbs all the impact. Like, all of it. I think, like, a sports science show, they dropped a piano on it one time, and uh, it was still good. So there will be, at least in the arenas, the gyms, whatever, where Duke is going to play. Sorry, folks. Zion's not breaking a rim. Breaking a backboard. It's not happening. Even if he can dent a basketball just by holding it or whatever, um, he's not he's not doing he's not breaking a backboard. And you know what I think that means? Don't quote me on this, but actually maybe do. I don't care. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I think 1996 Texas Tech versus UNC when Darvin Ham showered a backboard against UNC in the NCAA tournament while Texas Tech was just annihilating them. That might be the last time in college or the NBA that it's happened. And with uh, the new uh, way they uh, build them, that may be it. So, there's a, there's a little fun fact. As Duke will uh, play against North Carolina very soon. So they go against State next, and then, and then it's on. It's on to the rivalry game. So, should be fun. And uh, again, if you enjoy uh, the podcast, let others know. And subscribe, rate, review, do what you do, if you so choose in a positive way. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I will be back soon as we. W- I will be pre- uh, previewing North Carolina with a guest coming up, hopefully. If not, I will be back after to review the game. But either way, you will be hearing from me very soon.